0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. It's always uh, a, a pleasure. I feel like I'm far away. Here we go. Uh, to come and, and speak at the different campuses. Um, I serve as the senior associate leader, as Eric said. I'm on the uh, board of trustees for the church, and so if you don't know, there's there's five of us, uh, Caleb and myself, that serve on the board, and then we have three uh, kind of fathers uh, to the house that uh, help provide oversight. And so it's just a pleasure to come and see what uh, Pastor Eric's doing and, and Sarah, and uh, just I'm, I'm grateful to be here. And as I was reflecting on, kind of what, what to bring for you guys. And I just, I don't know about you, but it's been like a tough season. Like the last eight or nine months in particular have just been like a, a, a crucible. And uh, I had a friend of mine, she bought me a book by Bob Sorge, who wrote Secrets of the Secret Place, which was popular 15, 20 years ago. And this book is called, It's Not a Tomb, It's a Womb. And the title alone, like, set me free. I didn't even read the book for a while. (laughs) But just the idea that sometimes you're in a season where you're like, I feel like everything is dying. I mean, we've had some family members uh, pass away. We've had some friends pass away. We've had just uh, my real estate deals, because I do uh, real estate as well as as a bivocational pastor. It's just been like this, like, slow grind, and you're like, Lord, <laughs> I need a breakthrough. And a couple weeks ago, uh, there's a couple of us that were talking and we're like, I think that this season that we're in right now, you know, I was like, I'm going to call it spring breakthrough. Like there's spring break and it's kind of like that, you know, the kids are off from school, that you're, you're shifting from the usual into this like moment of freedom where you're like, no school, like sleeping in, whatever. But, but there's a part that, it, because it's a break in the routine, it's a break in the usual. And just the phrase, spring breakthrough, kind of just sat with me and I was like, you know, I want to bring that to you guys. And to, to provide kind of this framework of going, what does a spring breakthrough look like? Has it ever occurred to you that nothing occurs to God, right? We go, oh, I just had a thought, like, right? And you go, but the Lord never is like, whoa, that totally took me off guard. Like, the, the Lord is, is aware, and the thing that I want to communicate with you, is, because sometimes, like, when we have new thoughts, it's like, I learned something new, now I'm changing, But the Lord is unchanging, right? So like nothing occurs to him that takes him like off guard. He's just going like, I am steady. And with that, the Lord is not double-minded about your salvation. You might be double-minded about your salvation. And James talks about we get tossed to and fro and we're feeling confused. We're feeling frustrated. God's not confused or frustrated about what Jesus did for you. He's not double-minded about what he did for you, and he wants to call you into a place where you are not double-minded about what he did for you. Graham Cook made a comment on one of his podcasts. He goes, God will only deal with you through the cross and deal with your redeemed nature. Some of you are trying to take your dead nature that died on the cross and fix it. No matter how good those, the morticians are, you can't bring life. You can put lipstick on the dead person, but you can't bring them back to life. You can't fix their behavior problem. But sometimes spiritually, that's kind of what we're trying to do. Like, I want to take my dead, sinful nature, put some lipstick on it, make it up to look like something that it's not. You know, I realize it's probably a really old movie now, but there was that movie, Weekend at Bernie's, where these two guys were carrying the dead guy, like, around all weekend, trying to, like, pretend like he was still alive so that they wouldn't get in trouble, right? But sometimes that's kind of what we do. We got, like, Weekend with my dead self, and we're dragging our our old corpse around, pretending... (laughs) like it's still alive. But you were co-crucified with Christ. Yeah. Your old sin nature died, and now Christ is only going to deal with you through your new nature. Yeah. So what that means is God is not counting your sins against you. He's not waiting for you. Sometimes like our, because I think some of our church history You know, as we look five, six hundred years, a thousand years into Christianity, we've gotten this idea, especially kind of adopted from the Catholic culture, that like confession is, well, I have to go to someone and tell them everything I did. You know, confess your sins, right, one to another so that you can be healed, right? So they're pulling on that scripture. But the confession is simply an acknowledgement that this is falling short of the standard of my new self. I'm acting so unlike myself. And we've gotten into this place that kind of tied to that is repentance, which means I have to feel bad about what I did. But repentance means to think differently afterward. So if you think differently after you have been saved, set apart, and sanctified, then you go, well, that was so unlike me. I probably shouldn't do that anymore. That's real repentance. And you go... Man, I had this moment where I acted so unlike my new nature. But sometimes we, we get so stuck in trying to fix what we think is our, our sin nature. We have this confused, like, I know growing up, I heard, you know, like, which dog are you feeding? There's a good dog and a bad dog in you, and you got to feed one of them. The cross killed the bad dog. But if you still believe that that dog is being fed like it's just weird <laughs> you you don't feed dead animals like you need to bury them and move on, but that's like we get we get double minded, but God is not double minded about you, and so I want to just kind of land through a couple of scriptures as we set up the main text. So 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right? The, the whole, we call it the gospel, and sometimes when we say gospel, it sounds more religious, and we forget that it means good news. Right? Jesus came to give us good news that there's freedom. But we get so stuck in like, well, but freedom means I I have to act just like this. And it's like the Lord's like, listen, act like who you are. That's easy. There's no striving to be you. You just be you. And what's happening is by the renewing of your mind, you are now leaving the old patterns that you were stuck in before you met Jesus. And now you go, the new me doesn't do that right? Behavior modification doesn't last. Understanding your identity is what lasts. Saying yes to who God made you to be, who Jesus died for, right? Again, you know, just as I've I've been trying to go, like, God, I need this breakthrough. Like, what's happening? The phrase that often comes, like, it comes out of my mouth, and I'm like, that's the wrong question. But the question is often, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you, right? Someone acts up and you're like, what's wrong with you? Stop that. But that's the wrong question. The question really is, what's missing? Right, because the Lord has made you whole in your spirit and now you are bringing that wholeness to, to manifest in your physical body. And so it's going like, well, if I keep acting in this pattern that is not consistent with the nature of Christ, then there's a revelation of how Jesus paid for this that I, I'm, I'm not grasping. It's not what's wrong with you. It's what's missing. Because in Romans 8, it says, 8.1, it says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemns sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Right? but. It it keeps going, but there's part like there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. The number one thing that I see separating Christians from God in their walk with God is this feeling of condemnation. Uh, I'm not. I'm just not good enough. I, I messed up again. This is just like me, me, me is really what it is. I I'm, I missed it. Guess what? That's why Christ came. He did not miss it. And the only way you have access to the Father is because he didn't miss it. So for you to go, like, let me beat myself up because I missed it, that's the part that you missed. (laughs) Right? It's going like, okay, how do I walk in a place where I realize that there's no condemnation because all my sin was in the future when Christ died. Right? Because we, we kind of live in the moment. Like, here I am today. This is what I'm doing. And, man, 10 minutes ago, I really blew it. But all of that was in the future when Christ died. So if he paid for your sin, he, it's, he overpaid it, really. Like, you can't out-sin the grace of God. The mercy of God. And so there's part that, but we go, because we've, we're missing a revelation, we go, well, I really blew at that time. I don't know if God can, like, reconcile. This was, this was a big mistake, right? There's little mistakes and big mistakes. And it's like, wait, wait. The blood of Christ paid all mistakes. And so when we get stuck, and it's like, this is hard, we, we tend to end up with self-introspection. And there was parts where I was like, okay, is there, is there another generational curse? Is there like something else that I've done that's opened a door? And finally, it was like, time out. I've been as diligent as I could be, not being perfect, but trusting in the one that's perfect. And so I'm gonna quit going on this self-introspection merry-go-round and go, Jesus what's missing, and just help me move forward. Because some of you are stuck in a merry-go-round of like me, 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 me. What did I do? How do I not do this anymore? What do I do? And it's like, get off the merry-go-round. It's like the Mary Poppins when they're on that little thing and finally it just like, they come off and they just start (laughs) flying through the woods on their their merry-go-round horses, right? There's part of like, you gotta shift how you think really, about how you think. So that that way, you're now going, all right, I have the mind of Christ. If I believe that Scripture is true, then that is true. I may not be feeling it, but I'm not going to let my feelings dictate what is true. I'm going to hang on and just believe that it's going to come. Right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. It says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Who would like life and peace? right? For the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So I want to pause here because this is where sometimes we get stuck. We go, well, I just must have had my mind on the flesh, right? God's, God's not pleased with me. So Paul's like, I got you. I know where you're going. So the next verse, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, if you said yes to Jesus and you believed, this is you. So don't let uh, uh, verse 8, those that are in the flesh cannot please God, that's not you. Don't adopt what's not you because just how you feel in the moment Right? But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Right? So there's part that we live in this tension, like Sometimes I have, like, these little science nerd moments, like, entropy happens, right? You go from order to, like, chaos, right? Your body is slowly aging, like, I'm in my late 40s, and it's, like, I'm, I'm starting to see that, right? But there's part that says that's what's happening in the natural, but in the spiritual, in the spirit, um, Jesus Christ is bringing life to our mortal bodies, So at some point, we're going to transition into a body like his, which is super cool. Like he walks through walls, like teleports, like I am all about, I'm like, as soon as possible, Jesus. Right, and you see examples in the New Testament where it happens for believers. Philip gets like teleported after he ministers to the Ethiopian, and, and there's stuff where you're like, What if we really believed that the Spirit of God was bringing life to our mortal bodies? Maybe we could have that Enoch experience where we just kind of skip death. It's happened, right? Enoch, Elijah, they're those that God just takes their body and everything into heaven. And you're like, wow, that's not how my life normally works. (laughs) Right? But what if it could? What if we start going like, Lord, what if I believe? Sometimes it's helpful to hear it in kind of a different translation. Um, In the Passion Translation in Romans 8, it says, So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. I mean, you almost got to just, like, let that sit for a minute. There's no accusing voice of condemnation. That phrase, like, when you think about when you're really feeling bad about yourself, usually it's like the voice in your head that's like, you really blew it. You messed up. What were you thinking? What's wrong with you? Right? There's this voice of accusation that we have to, to address and go, this voice is not from God. It sounds very religious. It sounds like the Yacht right? You ought to do this. You ought to do that. But it doesn't bring life. It doesn't bring the fullness of your life union with Jesus to manifest. No condemnation, no accusing voice of condemnation. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by the weakness of human nature. Right? In everyone, there's this internal sense of justice. You know that there's a right and a wrong. And in the Old Testament, in the, through the Lord's grace, he codified a lot of that, the Ten Commandments, the rest of the law, 615, whatever it was, uh, rules that the Jews uh, kept, right? So the, it helped just really go, there's right and wrong. But when you, whenever you start to focus on right and wrong, it's kind of like, it's like the pull to the dark side, <laughs> right? The more you focus on the law, the more you realize, like, there's rules and I got to do this and I'm, I'm not doing everything that I ought to be doing, right? You end up in that Romans 7, man. I do what I don't want to do. I don't do what I do want to do. And then oh, there's a bunch of doo-doo and you're just all confused. <laughs> and the Lord is like, stop focusing on this right and wrong and start living out of your identity that there's no condemnation and that the Lord's going to give you what is missing to reveal the full righteousness of Christ that's living in you. Then it, then it becomes easier. You be you and let his righteousness move through you. And it takes us away from trying to figure out like, because really, whenever you have rules, there's always... Someone that's like, how close can I get without breaking the rule? (laughs) Right? That's the wrong question. But when we get into the rule mindset, we're trying to figure out, like, what's right? What's wrong? You know, because the reality is, like, basically, if we checked all the laws in America, every one of you have broken the law, just starting with traffic. setting aside the speed limit. Some of y'all are still in the left lane driving slow. Stop that. Right? That's, that's actually against the law, just so you know. <laughs> right? But we, we get stuck in, like, this, like, legalism of, like, well, I can drive 70 in the far left lane. No. No, just because you're keeping one law doesn't mean you're keeping all the laws. Slide over to the right. Let those of us that are serious about breaking the law get on with it. Right? So, <laughs> <laughs> but whenever you have law, that's, it, you, you end up trying to find, well, I'm okay with this part, but I want to ignore that part because that's not convenient right? And, and whenever we get into trying to figure out which laws are we keeping, right? I grew up in a, in a spinoff from the Seventh-day Adventist, so we kept, like, the Old, di- old uh, Testament dietary laws, and, like, there was no pepperoni, and one time I ate a slice of pepperoni pizza, and, like, I had this horrible stomachache afterward, and I knew that that was God's judgment because I broke, like, the law, right? And so, like, the Lord's had to take me on this journey, of going, what does it look like to live from a place of grace? Because I don't think, as a whole, the body of Christ is really communicating or living that well. Especially in America, the church is known for what it's against more than what it's for. The church isn't known for good news. It's known for being a voice of condemnation. How inconsistent with the core of Romans here... Can we be? But it's because we 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 want to try to find a level of like sanctification based on our behavior. But your sanctification comes from Jesus' behavior and you get to act like who you are. And that becomes good news. We don't want to be double-minded. God's not double-minded about your salvation you don't be either, right? In, in John 6, 29, this just, it keeps coming up over and over whenever I speak because everybody's asking, well, Jesus, what do I do? What do I do, right? That's our, our default motive, right? You go to school, they're like, here's the list of rules. You want an A, you gotta do this. You don't do this, then your grades slide. As parents, like, these are the rules of the house. Like, everything we do tends to be behavior-focused. And so when we come into this relationship with Jesus, I mean, that's, that's where the Pharisees were. That's where his disciples were. Everybody's like, what do I do? And he's like, this is the work. John 6, 29. This is the work I want you to do. Believe. Believe in the one who was sent. Right? And we go, okay. I believe in Jesus. Now really, tell me, what do I do? (laughs) Right? I mean, we just, we default. And so it, it becomes like, can you believe that Jesus is your sanctification? That it's not just, I got saved, that it's, I'm whole. My spirit has become made whole, and now I'm living from this place of wholeness. And so wherever I start to find my behavior off from this plumb line it's not behave better it's like lord let me just keep looking at the plumb line and that becomes much easier than trying to fix what's off because what you behold you become so the more you behold Christ the more where you're off is going to come into alignment but i don't know if you've noticed we we go from like ditch to ditch right it's like <laughs> Freedom, like, license to sin on one side, religiosity on the other. And we just kind of go back and forth. And what I would propose to you is, what if, by gazing at the plumb line of Christ, our, our metronome swing gets shorter? We, you never land right on until we're fully face-to-face. But in this world, we're going like, I'm getting closer I'm letting more of Jesus through me. I'm striving less. And it it becomes, Lord, I need a a clearer revelation of what's missing in my understanding of where you're moving in my life. As provider, as healer, as uh, just the lover of my soul, where do you need a breakthrough? That's where... Beholding Jesus and going, God, I feel like I'm out here. I'm not going to focus so much on fixing me as I am gazing on you and going, Lord, I'm just believing. I'm believing that you're going to move me into alignment. That I can pray for the people in traffic, <laughs> right? That I can pray for the people at Walmart. That I can pray like wherever. I'm getting frustrated and aggravated that Lord, as I behold you i I now have grace for this problem this this challenge that's in front of me. Michael heiser is uh he's an ancient civilization and kind of Hebrew scholar. He just recently passed away um, but when he when I was listening to some of his teachings, he was talking about the, the theme through both Old and New Testament was what he called believing loyalty. And the idea was in the Old Testament, you had all these, you had the pagan gods of all the neighbors. You had, uh, his, part of his niche was kind of the divine council, that uh, there were different spirit beings that, that, are, that are in heaven. And you see different uh, uh, verses and scriptures in this. But people would, cultures would get confused, and they would worship other, other created beings, these heavenly beings that were in charge of, of different regions, right? So to the north of the Israelites, you had Baal, and, and, and you had these, you know, sometimes, we're, we're not sure, I, honestly, from a Western civilization culture, like, were they demons, were they, what, what were they? Well, if you set that aside and just go, they were worshiping not God, right? So you can go, whatever they were worshiping, they were confused and God so what God was trying to to take the old testament people through was going would you believe in Yahweh would you would you be loyal to God and not be confused or tempted in our culture today now that Jesus has come would we choose to stay focused on Christ because unlike like Baal although we're seeing more spiritual uh, worship of not God happening, but historically for, you know, the last 100 plus years in America, materialism and the, the worship of self has been where our loyalty goes. What is it, you know, the, the sort of American philosophy, if it is to be, it's up to me, right? We're going I'm going to make a way. And so there's part that The Lord is like, would you be loyal to trusting me? Would you believe that I exist and I reward those that seek me? Right? And so this this loyalty, this believing that, God, you're going to bring away. I'm going to trust you more than I trust myself. And in that, then you actually have more freedom, more peace. It becomes, oh, it's not what's wrong with me. Lord, would you just show me what's missing? That that just it settles all of this like turmoil inside. So as you as you process this, as you go, God, where are the areas that I need to grow? Right? Because there's part that we all are on a journey with the Lord. And There's part, if the kingdom of God is based on righteousness, peace, and joy, we sometimes get so stuck on the righteousness part, like how I'm falling short. But it's really not about the falling short. It's about believing that Jesus met all the righteousness you need. So that when you come into the kingdom, you say, ah, righteousness, peace, and joy are are available to me because Jesus has all the righteousness for me. And the more I behold him, the more I behave like him. But then I can have joy. Christians aren't known for joy. We're kind of like the Metamucil party. Like, I mean, everybody's like all uptight. Like, it just like... I'm going to let the rest of that analogy go. Um, but, we, like, if you think about it, like, when was the last time you were like, man, that church was a lot of fun? But, if, like, you know, and, and we often try to separate joy from happiness because joy, we can have joy in hard times. But there's part that because we've tried to separate it so much, we lose the fact that, like, you should be able to laugh, like, with the Lord. And people are all freaked out, like, when church has, like, holy laughter, like, break out. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's really interesting because we're, we're so serious about the work of God. The, the two-syllable, Jesus. Right? Like If you're really serious, like, you can turn it into two, maybe three syllables. Right, Jesus. Right? I mean, now you're serious. Like, now I really believe that you care about the Lord. Right? And you kind of go like, oh, well. but when's the last time we've really just like laughed and had a good time? Like, Christians are known for, you know, joy. This is, this is part of our inheritance. And so we wanna just pull on that and go, God, where am I not seeing joy? I'm getting stuck in the weeds. For me, there's like certain areas of my life and I just, I get really like narrowly focused and I'm like, God, if you don't show up right here in this area, then like I am ignoring the rest of the goodness of God in my life because this area isn't working right here. And like it's, It's been a process, y'all. Like, I keep coming back, and I'm like, but what about this? And God's like, hey, what about all this? And I'm like, that's nice. Right here. And there's part that it's like I'm slowly learning. Lord, thank you for everything. And I'm going to see victory where things have been hindered but it's that believing loyalty through the hard time. It's easy to be loyal when everything's good. And so there's part that I found that the Lord often gives us tests and then asks us what we learn. See, in school you go and they're like, read all this material, study all this stuff, and then we'll give you a test. The kingdom doesn't seem to work that way. I don't know if you noticed. Like you get tests and then it's like, what'd you learn? And you're like, I don't think I learned it. Okay, you get the test again. Right? Because God's not bound by time. He's in no hurry. He's like, we'll work on this until you get it. Because there's something that is missing. It's not that something is wrong. I want you to get this. This is a breakthrough for you that's going to shift not just you, but your family, your community. It can be a generational shift. There's things that like when we get it, we're like, oh, because experiential knowledge of God is, yeah, it's the most powerful part because you can have an academic knowledge. I feel like I, I, I talk about this all the time, but you can read all the books that you can on riding a bicycle. You do not know how to ride a bicycle till you get on one. You can read about God, but until you walk with him, you don't know the power of God that's manifest for you, that's moving for you. That when it's hard and you're like, I don't, I don't see a way, Right? We were singing about it like, this is the God that can part the waters. Like, we're, we're, we're seeing this briefly in science. Like, all of us learn from an early age how gravity works. Right? You fall off of stuff. You fall down. Like, gravity works every time. But then you find, well, there's other laws like aerodynamics that have authority over gravity so that you can... Get in a plane, and it can fly. And then it gets super weird when you get into quantum mechanics because all the rules that you learn in Newtonian physics don't work there. And our scientists are like, all right. We've had almost 100 years of them wrestling. This was like starting with Einstein and, and the, the, the early atomic scientists that are trying to figure out like, well, what's, what's smaller than the atom? All right, well, now we've, we've found quarks and other little subatomic particles well how do they work and and they keep going and the more you dig into that the more newtonian physics stops working when it's that small gravity is different like you can have particles on other sides um, on two parts of the world if they get synced they're, they're in sync even though like there's no newtonian physics that that works that way and so there's part that not to, like, go too deep on the science part of this, right? I'm seeing everybody like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> um, but what I'm saying is there's part that, like, what you thought used to work for you doesn't work kingdom-wise, right? That point, everybody's going to get, all right. <laughs> like, quarks and neutrons and that. Ah. But the kingdom, right, they call it the upside-down kingdom, You want to be the greatest? Serve. Like, all these different things were like, wait a minute, the way the world works is like dominate and control everybody, make them do stuff. And the kingdom's like, hey, watch this. The more people you serve, the more successful you're seen. And so, like, we're we're in this, all right, God, help me shift to kingdom physics, to kingdom living, so that we're now going, oh, I can operate under a different set of rules, under the kingdom principles, where love and joy and peace have dominion over violence and stress and worry and anxiety and fear. We're flipping to a different set of principles. And it's so counter, right? Because we're, in, in our natural mind, our brain, right, is wired to do whatever you do repetitively becomes easy, right? That's what all your martial art people. They, they repeat it over and over. Why? Because you do it almost without thinking at that point. It just happens. But that happens not just in martial arts. That's all your life, right? They talk about, like, you're searching for equilibrium, right? You get up the same way. Your brain can't handle all the details of just all the decisions that you would make in one day. Like, how do you get up? Which side of the bed do you get off of? Like, how do you take a shower? Like, which one? Do you turn hot water on first, cold water on first? Or you got one diet? Like, like all these things, your brain's like, oh, no. All right, we're going to make these habits, and I don't have to think about it. So from the time you were a small kid, your brain's going like, "Build build a habit, build a habit, build a habit, build a habit, build a habit. So I don't have to think. Your brain is looking for efficiency. It's the largest caloric consumer in your body, right? All those carbs, you want them to go here, not here, right? So your, your, your brain is going like, I need to be efficient. I don't want to have to make all these decisions. Then you meet Jesus, right? right? So you've got all these habits, all these things that you've set in place for how your world works. And now you meet Jesus, and he goes, hey, welcome to the upside-down kingdom, right? You get to love people instead of be mad at them. But your brain is going like, I got a default that's like, when that guy pulls in front of me on the highway, stuff comes out of my mouth, right? And so the, the sanctification process is now going, Lord, help me, help me rewire the, these habits To go, now, I bless and don't curse. Now, I have a hunger for the word. So my morning routine has to shift, right? And we we have to build new new habits so that our default becomes joy. Can you imagine, what if your default was like, you get stressed, something bumps you off kilter and you're like, joy, (laughs) right? Consider it joy. When you get bumped off kilter, because I've wired my brain to go, I'm anticipating God breaking through for me, that what's in the natural is going to, to be under the authority of the supernatural, of the kingdom. It's, it's becoming just a different expectation that I go, all right. My my default goes here, but now I go here. And at first, there's tension, right? Because you're having to connect new physical <laughs> neurons in your brain till it becomes the habit. And that is becomes the tension, right? I don't want to do, but there is an action that's required. And so... Finding that place of going, my default is peace. It's not condemnation. Because our default for so many of us is condemnation. Man, I blew it again. I'm a horrible person. No. No, no. That's not what the Bible says about you. So will you believe in the face of what feels like facts? That's just your current situation to go, my current situation does not have authority over me. I am choosing to have authority through Christ over this. Over sickness, over illness, over lack, over poverty, over uh, just family dynamics, family history, the things that are normal. You know, what is normal? It's a setting on your washer, right? I mean, it's just like... (laughs) Everybody's normal till you get to know them, and then you're like, oh. Right? I mean, we all have our, our own quirks. It's like it's it's the grace of God that He can love seven billion weirdos. Right? I mean it just But He's showing us like you can have grace for yourself. Because part of the challenge is we actually do love others the way we love ourselves. We just love ourselves poorly. I'm mad at me. And so, like, that's easy for me to be mad at you, <laughs> right? And so it's going like, all right, but the Word says, I'm, I'm under grace and not condemnation. I'm under the law of love. So now, if I apply that to myself, because some of you are actually better at doing that for other people than you are yourself. But then it creates these dysfunctional relationships where you, you feel like, I keep getting run over, People keep taking advantage of me because you don't have a a proper understanding of your own value and that you're a powerful person. And when we come into Christ, he unlocks, you know, like the Tony Robbins of power within, whatever it is. Like, no, no, Christ unlocks kingdom power within you to have peace. To go, what if in the middle of the storm, I could actually say to the storm, peace, and things settle. Well, I tried that, and it didn't work. <laughs> keep, you got to keep on. Don't stop. Because it's, it's the believing loyalty. Loyalty is this, like, I'm, I'm faithful to something or someone despite resistance, right? God wants your believing Loyalty. Will you choose him when it's like, I feel like if I could cheat, I could get ahead faster? Right? No, no. I'm choosing to be loyal to God and the principles of the kingdom. Even when I don't feel like it's working right now, I'm trusting that this is seed. And the tension, we're in a microwave society, and seed time and harvest has a gap. And we're like, no. no. Right here, we want this 30 30 seconds. High, high, right? I'm not even doing this like 50%, like actually like let the microwave simmer it for a little bit, right? It's like 30 seconds high right now. But that's not, those aren't the examples that the Lord uses, right? He's like, there's a process, there's time. And somehow in that spiritual resistance, we become spiritually stronger, that I'm not thrown off kilter when things don't go the way I want. So, as we close, your spring breakthrough is tied to breaking agreement with condemnation. What if you just said right now, I break agreement with condemnation? Actually, out loud. I break agreement with (laughs) condemnation. I am under grace. Under grace. I, will not condemn myself I will not condemn myself because Jesus doesn't condemn me. Jesus doesn't condemn me. I bless myself, I bless myself. With, the grace of Jesus. with the grace of Jesus. See, this is this is where your your spiritual muscle is built. Truth and lies. Jesus says, "Know the truth, and the truth will set you free." the person of truth, encountering Jesus, but going, is what I'm believing true? Because sometimes we defend our limitations fiercely. This will not work for me. (laughs) The scariest verse to me in the Bible, according to your faith, be it to you. Okay, Lord, I repent, (laughs) change my thinking, right? Believe, believe. Jesus, I just thank you for this time. I thank you, Lord, that you bring believing loyalty, that you bring your grace and peace to us. Lord, we love you, and we just say this week, let us walk free of condemnation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.